So it's good to see you this morning. My name is Russ Siders, uh, and it's my privilege to have been a part of what God's doing here at Sunrise for the past 20 plus years as we have been a, a community. Uh, mi nombre es Russ Siders, he sido parte de esta comunidad más de 20 años y ha sido un gran privilegio. As you may notice, we're kind of switching things up today. Today's not a, a, a business as usual kind of Sunday. We're going to be sharing a, a, at the end of the message today a mid-year report from our Sunrise leaders, our servant leaders. And so right now we want to direct our attention to God's word uh, to help us to focus today. In fact, we're in a series of messages on refocusing, refocusing the mission that God has for us. Estamos en una serie de mensajes sobre reenfocar la misión que Dios tiene para nosotros. So I'm going to invite you uh, to open up your Bibles, and if you don't have Bibles, there's some in the back. Our focus today will be from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. That's in the second half of the Bible. Segunda de Timoteo 4, del 1 al 8, es la lectura de hoy. And those page numbers you see there on the screen are tied to our Bibles in the back. That gives you a rough idea of how to find that scripture, though it's always a good idea to learn how to do that without page numbers. La página indica donde está el texto en las Biblias de atrás. So I'm going to read first in Spanish and then in English. Leo primero en español. These are words that have come to us through the centuries. They came from the pen of the early church leader Paul, but, but the Holy Spirit has inspired these words. Uh, we believe that, we trust in that, and this is the word of God for us, therefore. Son palabras de Pablo, inspiradas al Espíritu Santo, y son la palabra de Dios. Escuchemos. En presencia de Dios y de Cristo Jesús, que ha de venir en su reino, y que juzgará a los vivos y a los muertos, te doy este solemne encargo. Predica la palabra, persiste en hacerlo, sea o no sea oportuno, corrige, reprende y anima con mucha paciencia sin dejar de enseñar, porque llegará el tiempo en que no van a tolerar la sana doctrina, sino que llevados de sus propios deseos, se rodearán de maestros que digan las novelerías que quieren oír, dejarán de escuchar la verdad y se volverán a los mitos. Tú, por el contrario, sé prudente en todas las circunstancias, Soporta los sufrimientos, dedícate a la evangelización, cumple con los deberes de tu ministerio. Yo, por mi parte, ya estoy a punto de ser ofrecido como un sacrificio. El tiempo de mi partida ha llegado. He peleado la buena batalla, he terminado la carrera, me he mantenido en la fe. Por lo demás, me espera la corona de justicia que el Señor el Juez justo me otorgará en aquel día. Y no solo a mí, sino también a todos los que con amor han esperado su venida. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. 
Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. So last month on April 15, it was 107 years since the great ocean liner Titanic sank to the bottom of the Atlantic. Hace 107 años se hundió el gran barco Titanic en el Atlántico. Now that's an event we're still talking about today. It's an event you can still see documentaries about. It's an event that's being researched and analyzed. Es un evento todavía investigado, analizado hasta el día de hoy. It's an event where there are all kinds of outlandish theories about what really happened that night. Hay mucha teoría sobre lo que pasó, but, but this much everybody pretty much can agree on. Number one, in spite of all the warnings, Titanic wandered into an area of the ocean that was full of icebergs. A pesar de las advertencias, entró un área de icebergs. Number two, Titanic hit an iceberg. Dio con un iceberg, número dos. And number three, it took about three hours, but Titanic finally sank. Después de tres horas, se unió el barco. That was it, end of story. Now, some of the experts, in fact, I would say a large majority of the experts would tell us that that boat did not sink because there was this massive, gaping hole that was put in the side of the ship. No se hundió por una gran rotura en el costado. No, Titanic sank because experts say there was a, a series of very thin, small gashes along the side of the ship, very thin, micro-thin, but that allowed water to seep in and then pressure to push on the ship. Había unas perforaciones muy finas donde el agua entró, and then all these watertight compartments started to fill up, and one after another, like dominoes, those compartments filled up, and pretty soon the ship sank. Uno tras uno, los compartimentos se llenaron de agua y se hundió. Now, the mission of Titanic was quite simple. Get all the passengers and crew safely to port in New York City. That was the mission. La misión fue llevar a la tripulación, a los pasajeros, al puerto de Nueva York. Titanic failed in that mission. Falló en su misión. Why? ¿Por qué? Well, because of something we talked about last week. Mission drift. El desvío de la misión. Titanic drifted off of its mission, drifted into this field of icebergs and lost its way. Se desvió donde estaban los icebergs, and, and it sank. And here we can, can affirm something from that story. Mission drift, if not properly held in check, if not corrected, mission drift can lead us to mission shipwreck. El desvío de la misión nos puede llevar al naufragio de la misión. Last week we began this whole series on refocusing the mission and we started out by talking about King Saul of Israel and we learned how King Saul of Israel drifted in his mission. He experienced mission drift to the point where he thought he was obeying God even though he was disobeying God. Rey Saúl pensaba obedecer a Dios y lo desobedecía por el desvío de su misión. Well, we also learned last week that Jesus never suffered from mission drift. 
Jesus was laser-like in his focus. He, he resolutely set out to come to earth, to go to Jerusalem, to die on the cross, to carry our sins, to rise again, to lift us up to new life. And we can thank God for that. Jesús nunca sufrió el desvío de la misión. Fue a la cruz y se hizo el firme propósito de morir por nosotros y resucitar. Now, today, in this second message in this series, we're looking at a scripture from, from 2 Timothy chapter 4, and here we find the early church leader, Paul, sharing with a young leader named Timothy some powerful wisdom. But that wisdom, I think, also can apply to you and me. Pablo está compartiendo uh, con Timoteo, con nosotros, una sabiduría muy poderosa. It's, it's wisdom that I think can help you and me to avoid Mission drift and mission shipwreck. Nos puede ayudar a evitar el desvío y el naufragio de la misión. Why? Well, because of something that I've been saying over the last few months that we've been looking at. The reality of our lives. If we look around us, we need to understand where we are. We need to put ourselves on the map. Tenemos que comprender dónde estamos. We are living, I've been saying, in the midst of a secular ocean. We have been set adrift upon a secular ocean, and there are all kinds of waves, waves of, of skepticism and waves of unbelief and waves of doubt and waves of materialism and waves of addiction to, to social media and, and technology and addiction to sexual uh, uh, adventures and all kinds of things going on all around us. And these waves are crashing against our lives. Esta, hay olas de incredulidad, escepticismo, materialismo, adicción a la tecnología, al sexo, etc., those waves are all about us. And we can very easily get hypnotized and mesmerized by those waves. Nos están hipnotizando esas olas. So how do we navigate? How do we navigate the secular ocean? ¿Cómo navegar el océano secular? Well, that's what I think Paul provides for you and me today. In verse 1, he really says, here's how you navigate. Here's how you navigate in the Christian life. You navigate... He says in verse 1, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. En presencia de Dios y de Cristo Jesús. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who will judge the living and the dead and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge, Paul says. En presencia de Dios y de Cristo Jesús que ha de venir en su reino que juzgará a los vivos y a los muertos te doy este solemne encargo. First of all, Paul says to Timothy and to us, he says, I'm giving you a charge. What's a charge? The idea here is I'm giving you a, a kind of a challenge as well as, as an invitation and an encouragement. Te doy un desafío y una palabra de ánimo. I'm giving you a warning, but I'm also giving you a testimony to lift you up. Te doy una advertencia, pero también un testimonio. And I'm giving this to you in light of the fact that God is real. Jesus is real. And Jesus is coming back and he is going to separate out the living and the dead and he's going to usher in this kingdom that is going to put everything right in the universe. Everything's going to be as it should be. Te doy este cargo en la realidad de Jesús, de Dios, de su reino que va a poner todas las cosas bien. Now this is huge. 
We have to understand what Paul's doing here. Paul is not being hypnotized and mesmerized by the trends around him. He's not looking at what's trending. He's not looking at the fads and fashions of the world around him. Pablo no está mirando las modas y las tendencias de su mundo alrededor. Paul is not being swept up in the most popular ideas and the most popular lifestyles and the most popular philosophies and the most popular famous celebrities and where they're going and what they're doing. No está mirando las ideas más populares, las nociones más populares. No. What does Paul have in view? God. Jesus. And he has in view that God and Jesus are more real than this world. This world is passing away. Jesús es real, Dios es real, y el mundo es efímero. So he's saying, in light of this, in light of the reality of God and his kingdom of Jesus our Lord, I'm giving you this warning slash encouragement. Here it is. Here's the main thing. Here's what you need to focus on. Aquí es lo que tienen que hacer. Verse 2, preach the word. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Predica la palabra. Persiste en hacerlo. Sea o no sea oportuno. Corrige, reprende, anima con mucha paciencia sin Dejar de enseñar. Here's the thing. Knowing that God's kingdom is more real than the secular ocean that's all around us. You need to do everything you can to go and get the message, the truth, the reality of Jesus out there. Sabiendo que el reino de Dios es más real que todo, tienes que transmitir la palabra de Dios. And always be ready to do that. Whether the moment seems right or not. Whether the moment seems convenient or not. Siempre estén listos en, en cualquier momento, sea oportuno o no. Why? Because you see, People need to have their mistaken notions, their mistaken ideas corrected, and you get them corrected by the word of God. La gente necesita tener sus errores corregidos por la palabra de Dios. People need to have their immoral thinking and their immoral behavior challenged. How? By the word of God. Necesitan un reto a su inmoralidad. Por la palabra de Dios. And people need to be lifted up out of their desperation, out of their depression, out of their hopelessness. And how are you going to do that? How do you lift people up? By the word of God. Hay que levantar a las personas de la desesperanza, de la desesperación por la palabra de Dios. So preach the word. You correct, you rebuke, and you encourage. Why? Because, you see, he's saying there are icebergs out there. Hay icebergs por allí. And in spite of the many warnings that might be present, a lot of people are drifting into dangerous waters. A lot of people are going into the iceberg field. Mucha gente se está desviando a los icebergs. Verse 3, he says this, the time will come when people will not 
put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Llegará el tiempo que no van a tolerar la sana doctrina, sino que llevados por sus propios deseos se rodearán de maestros que les digan las novelerías que quieren oír. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Dejarán de escuchar la verdad y se volverán a los mitos. Here's what Paul is forecasting. And I believe he's forecasting what we're living. Está pronosticando lo que estamos viviendo. That the time is coming when people in the church as well as outside of the church will not be focused upon the reality of God. They will not be focused on the reality of Jesus. Instead, they will drift into the iceberg field of listening to the messages that come from the secular ocean around them, the stuff that's floating out there, the stuff that's floating in their midst, and they will turn to those teachers, and they will, they will listen to those things. Instead, en vez de enfocarse en la realidad de Dios y de Jesús, van a escuchar los mitos y los maestros de los icebergs por allí. They're going to be captivated, hypnotized by the false gospel of the world. You see, our secular ocean has a salvation message, just like the Christian message is a message of salvation, but it tells us something different. El mundo secular tiene un mensaje de salvación. There are some uh, cultural observers and experts. I've been reading about this in the last few uh, months that there's this tendency out there. If you look in the newspapers and you read articles, you'll hear this. It's called the subtraction story. That's what they call it. Se trata de una historia de resta. Or sometimes the subtraction story is called the anti-testimony. The anti-testimony. It's an anti-testimonio. What's a testimony? Usually a testimony is, here's how I came to believe, right? Así viene a creer, es un testimonio. But the anti-testimony, the story of subtraction is, here's how I came not to believe. Here's how I came to doubt. And this is kind of the popular thing now, to come out with your anti-testimony. I used to think that the Bible was a special book. I used to think that the Bible was a, 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 a book that was above the rest. Antes pensaba que la Biblia era algo especial, but now I'm listening to these professors and these experts that point out that the Bible is full of inconsistencies and errors, and, and we can't rely upon this message. Hay os que dicen que hay muchos errores en la Biblia, and besides, it's way better for me to be able to point out the errors in the Bible than to have the Bible correct me in my errors, and so you see, I've come to believe that the Bible is the same as any other human book. He venido a creer que la Biblia es como cualquier otro, porque mejor ver sus errores que la Biblia vea los míos. The Bible is subtracted then from that person's story. Se resta la Biblia de la historia. I used to believe that the Ten Commandments were important 
and they had a guide for good living but now I'm observing all around me that so many decent people are not living according to the Ten Commandments and it doesn't seem to do them any harm and they actually are seeming to do quite well they flourish in life and they don't have any problems and so I'm come to a point where I'm realizing that I don't need the Ten Commandments in order to be happy as a person. Antes creen los diez mandamientos, pero veo que las otras personas no los siguen y están bien, así que no los creo ya. What's happened? Ten Commandments are subtracted. Morality is subtracted from the story. Se quita la moralidad. I remember growing up and believing that, that, that there's a God who's created the world. Antes creía en Dios que creó el mundo. But, but now as I grow older, I realize that we have made so many advancements in technology and science and, and we've been able to explain so many things and we're going to explain more things that we don't understand right now. And that gives me great comfort, that gives me great encouragement. And so I've come to a point where I'm not so, I don't think I need God anymore. He venido a un punto donde la ciencia y la tecnología me pueden proveer respuestas así que no necesito a Dios. And what's happened there? God gets subtracted from the story. That's the subtraction story. Dios está restado de la historia. So it starts with ignoring the warnings. It starts with becoming mesmerized, as I've said, with the, with the messages of the waves around us, uh, being attracted to what is smart and relevant and, 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 and what seems so uh, tasteful and trendy and all of that. Empezamos a traernos a lo que parece inteligente, relevante. It starts there and it ends in spiritual shipwreck. Termina en el naufragio espiritual. And small little holes, small little gashes get poked in spiritual armor, in our spiritual armor, and pretty soon unbelief and doubt and all of that starts to seep in and crowd in and comes crashing in. Hay perforaciones pequeñas en la armadura espiritual y después la incredulidad entra. And there are people sinking to the bottom of the secular ocean. Se hunde la gente. But Paul says here, look at verse 5. He says, you don't have to go there. You don't have to live that way. You don't have to believe that way. Verse 5, he says this. He says, but you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Tú, por el contrario, sé prudente en todas las circunstancias. Soporta los sufrimientos. Dedícate a la evangelización. Cumple con los deberes de tu ministerio. He's saying, here's the thing, uh, the way to avoid spiritual shipwreck, the way to avoid sinking in the secular ocean is not to subtract God's word from your life, but to add God's word to your life. La manera de sobrevivir no es restar la palabra, sino añadirla. Keep the main thing, the main thing. Keep God in view. Keep Jesus in view. Keep his kingdom, keep his reality in view. Mantengan a Dios, Jesús y su reino a la vista. And how do you do that? Through the word of God. That is why, as a church, we are reading the Bible in a cycle of two years. 
and encouraging you to read that every single day. We've got a new schedule of readings here. Les instamos a leer la palabra de Dios. Why? Because you see, this is our reality check. We get all kinds of things around us in the secular ocean that says this is what's real. This is what seems more probable. This is what seems more likely. But God's word says this is what's really real. Eso es lo que es real de verdad. And so Paul's saying here, keep your head above water in the secular ocean. Keep your head in all situations. How? With the word of God. Mantengan su cabeza arriba de la superficie. Endure hardship in your life. You're going to go through hardship. Endure it. How? With God's word. Soportan los sufrimientos con la palabra de Dios. And most of all, get out there and do the work of sharing the word. Preach the word. Share the message. Share the love of Jesus Christ. After all, that's the mission. That's the main thing. Comparten el evangelio del Señor Jesucristo. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Keep it going. The mission of the church, the main thing of the church is for us to declare and to live out the message of Jesus Christ. Lo más importante es declarar y vivir el mensaje de Cristo. And we're to declare and to live out the message of Jesus, not just to keep from sinking. Not just to keep our nose above the water line. No solo para no hundirnos. We're to do that because God has desired to lift us up to an abundant life. An abundant life. To have a full experience of Jesus in life. Él quiere que tengamos una experiencia plena de Jesús. In verse 6, Paul says something here that is so radically refreshing. It, it's, it's radical, but it's refreshing. Pablo dice algo radical y refrescante. He says, I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. Por mi parte, ya estoy a punto de ser ofrecido como un sacrificio. El tiempo de mi partida ha llegado. So Paul says, my departure is at hand. I'm setting sail for eternity my ship is heading out of this world estoy zarpando hasta la eternidad and I have poured out my life I've poured out my life as a thank offering to Jesus Christ he vertido mi vida en gracias al Señor the, the uh, image here he's using is of a drink offering now we don't know what a drink offering is here but in ancient times a, a libation or a drink offering uh, was fine wine usually that would be put into a bowl or a pitcher. Es la imagen de una elevación de vino fino en un tazón, un pichel, and then it was poured out. It was wasted, so to speak, as a gift to God or to the pagan gods. Se derramaba hasta Dios y a los dioses. Paul says, that's my life right now. I have poured out my life for Jesus Christ, and now my bowl is almost empty. It's almost gone. He vertido mi vida, derramado mi vida por Jesús, y casi está vacío el tazón. And then he says in verse 7, I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith, he peleado la buena batalla, terminado la carrera, me he mantenido en la fe, and now there is in store for me 
the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all who have longed for his appearing. Por lo demás me espera la corona de justicia que el Señor, el juez justo, me otorgará en aquel día. Y no solo a mí, sino también a todos los que con amor hayan esperido, esperado su venida. So, the gospel, the good news, is that Jesus Christ went to the cross with a crown of thorns on his head. And he died in our place. Cristo murió en nuestro lugar con una corona de espinas encima de su cabeza. And Paul says, I have been after that Jesus. I've been following him. I've been fighting and running the race for him. He estado siguiendo a él, uh, terminando la carrera por él. And now he says, there's a crown coming to me. Not a crown of thorns. No espero una corona de espinas. Jesus took that for me. And now there's a crown of righteousness coming to me. Hay una corona de justicia que espero. Not because I'm a good guy. Not because I did all this great stuff for Jesus. The crown of righteousness is what the Lord, the righteous judge, the only one who's right, will award me on that day. He will give it to me as a gift. El juez justo, el Señor me la otorgará en aquel día. The crown of righteousness that I'm waiting for is mine because Jesus took the crown of thorns. And he's going to award that to me. And so what I'm looking forward to is not punishment on judgment day, but paradise. Yo espero no castigo, sino cielo. Because why? My judge is also my Lord and Savior. That's a really good arrangement. Mi juez es mi Señor y Salvador. But here's the thing he's saying. We've got to keep the main thing, the main thing. Hay que enfocarse en lo que es lo más importante. The reality of Jesus Christ is greater than all of the multiple swirling currents of the secular ocean that are right in front of us. La realidad de Cristo es más grande que las corrientes del océano secular. Do we believe that? Do you believe that? There's a crown waiting for you that he's paid for with his death and his resurrection. And, and so this is why I want to urge us, I want to urge you and me to refocus and to discover our God-given mission. We each who follow Jesus have a part in that great mission to preach the word and to make disciples. Tenemos parte en la misión de hacer discípulos predicando la palabra. Now, when we say preach the word, I got to define that. I'm not talking about the fact that every single follower of Jesus should know how to get into a pulpit and deliver a sermon like this. We all are called, however, in our daily lives in one form or fashion to deliver a sermon. Your life is your sermon. Tu vida es tu mensaje, es tu sermón. And every day we have the chance in the way we work, in the way we work through problems with our families, in the way we handle our money, in the way that we uh, you know, relate to the neighbors, in the way we relate to people who do us wrong. We have an opportunity to, to preach the word. We're not going to always do it right. But we got to fight the good fight. 
Tenemos que pelear la buena batalla. After all, that's our mission. And we need to be clear about that. The, the mission of the church is not to maintain a building. That's not the mission of the church. La misión no es mantener un edificio. We have a building here. But the church isn't a building. It's not a place. The church is a people. A building. Why do we have a building here? It's a tool, hopefully, to help us to preach the word. Un edificio es herramienta para predicar la palabra. So the mission of the church is not to maintain a building. The mission of the church is not to even maintain a schedule or a calendar of activities and, and programs and events. Though we have them, we have a Bible school, Bible day camp coming, and different things happening, graduation Sunday. That's all great. That's not the mission of the church. La misión de la iglesia es mantener eventos en el calendario. Those, again, are what? They're tools to help us accomplish the mission of preaching the word. Son herramientas para predicar la palabra. The mission of the church is not to keep the church staff paid and happy. I would like that to be the mission of the church sometimes, but that's not the mission of the church. La misión de la iglesia no es mantener feliz al equipo pagado. No. Why do we have a church staff here? Because we are here to serve and to help the church accomplish its mission, which is to preach the word. And so we're just tools too. We're tools to help the church in its mission. Somos como herramientas para ayudar a la iglesia a predicar la palabra. The mission of the church is not to make money. It's not to make a budget. It is not to accumulate money. Money is not the mission of the church. La iglesia, su misión no es el dinero. Mantener el dinero, cumplir con el presupuesto, etc. But money is again, it's a tool. And we're to use money to the mission of preaching the word. Usamos el dinero para predicar la palabra. So here's the thing. We're called to focus on the mission and to preach the word in season, out of season. When it's convenient and when it's not, we're to preach the word even if we don't have a building, even if we don't have events, even if we don't have a staff, even if we don't have money, we're called to preach the word. We're going to do it. Aun si no tenemos edificio, dinero, equipo, debemos predicar la palabra. Got that? I hope that I've, I've explained that clearly because in a few moments we're going to be having a report from our servant leaders here at Sunrise, okay? They're going to be giving us a mid-year report. Part of that report, a good part of it, is about our church finances. So I want you to hear what I've just said. Vamos a tener un reporte sobre las finanzas de la iglesia a continuación. I don't want you to hear in this report the church is sinking. Oh, no. No quiero que oigan, se está hundiendo la iglesia. The church is not sinking. Our finances are shrinking, but the church is not sinking. Got the difference, okay? Las finanzas están menguando, pero la iglesia no se está hundiendo. Church is not sinking. In fact, it's because we've been preaching the word aggressively that our finances have shrunk a little bit, that we have this gap. Hay una brecha porque hemos estado predicando la palabra. Over the past year or two, we have been giving away ourselves. We have been like Paul. We have been pouring ourselves out like a drink offering 
to plant another church called Imago Church in Visalia. Nos hemos derramado como, como elevación para plantar la iglesia Imago. And we've sent off 20 plus people. And among those people are some of the most generous, giving, awesome people you will find. Hemos enviado gente muy generosa ya. And what are they doing? They are preaching the word in Visalia. Están predicando la palabra en Visalia. And so it's because we've been about the business of the church that we are where we are today. But I want to say this. We're going to be squarely focused on our mission. Our mission is to see as many people as possible get to port safely with Jesus Christ. That's what we want. Queremos que tanta gente como posible llegue al puerto seguro con Jesús. We'll keep doing that. Now, in this time frame, we're going to need to step back and evaluate our tools. Okay, we need to evaluate the tools we have. Tenemos que evaluar las herramientas que tenemos. And we're going to need to figure out a couple things. If we're going to keep going in the same direction, doing what we're doing, we are going to have to figure out how to have more finances, more tools to do the work. Tenemos que ver cómo conseguir más finanzas si vamos a seguir igual. And I think what we're going to have to figure out is how do we keep preaching the word in the meantime? How do we keep it going? ¿Cómo seguimos predicando la palabra? But we're going to do that. We're going to keep on keeping on. We're going to fight the good fight. We're going to run the race. We're going to keep the faith. And most of all, what we need to do is to keep the main thing. The main thing. Tenemos que enfocarnos en lo principal. Jesus. His word. Jesús y su palabra. That is what it's all about. So I want to pause and pray, and then I'm going to invite a couple of our leaders to come up. Oremos. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you have provided everything we need for life and godliness through Jesus, your son. Gracias por proveernos todo lo necesario en Jesús, tu hijo. Lord, help us to be like Paul, not to live in fear, not to live with our eyes upon the world around us, but with our eyes on you as we share with the world around us the message that is truly life. Que podamos tener los ojos en ti, Señor, no en el mundo a nuestro alrededor, compartiendo con ellos el mensaje que es vida. We thank you for Sunrise. Thank you that you've taken care of us for 20 plus years. And we trust and believe you have a plan to take care of us as we go forward. So as we hear from our leaders, Lord, help us to listen and help us to, to hear what you are speaking to us in terms of our part in your mission. Ayúdanos a escuchar a los líderes y discernir nuestra parte en la misión de la iglesia. We ask this in Jesus' holy name, in el nombre del Señor Jesús. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. I'm going to invite two leaders. Jonathan Verhoeven is uh, one of our deacons here at Sunrise, and they uh, do a lot with uh, the administration of our tools, our resources. And Cody Rourke, who is uh, part of our elder team, part of our pastoral care team, and our spiritual leadership. So guys, uh, please share with us what's going on. Good morning, Sunrise. Um, like Pastor Russ mentioned, my name is Jonathan Verhoeven. I'm one of the deacons here. Um, I'm also currently the treasurer, so one of my duties is to present the uh, financial update. 
Um, we currently have the financial records um, through April, so keep in mind that it's uh, through four months. So if we could get to the next slide. Our year-to-date income, again, as of April 30th, is $99,059. Um, our year-to-date expenses are $134,398. So you can see that we're, we're behind uh, to the tune of $35,000. Uh, that's $8,834 per month. Um, now, we did have cash reserves built up. Last year, we had a balanced budget. But again, we started Imago last year. So this is that gap that we've been talking about. Um, and $8,800 is a pretty, pretty significant loss monthly, but, um, we do have some reserves, so it's not panic time by any means, but that is our, our monthly challenge. My name is Cody. I'm one of the elders here. Um, and as an elder, part of the responsibility we're tasked with is the, uh, spiritual health of the church of the congregation. And um, I'm going to be honest with you today. I had a whole set of notes prepared for today, and I scrapped them because I felt a little conviction different coming into this. Um, so right now I'm going to speak to you as just one of the members like you. We're, we're all members in this together. This is the body of Christ. And so we're all in this together as far as preaching the word goes. Um, we have a job of preaching the word. Pastor Russ, his position in that is to be up here every Sunday. This is just part of it. If you guys know Pastor Russ, this is just part of it. This 30 minutes here, there's hours upon hours upon tens of 20 of 40, 50 hours leading into this, what he does here. This is not for us to come and to listen and say, ooh, I did my duty for the week, and man, I can't wait till next week to hear him again next week. That's, that's not what this is for. He's up here. He used the term in this. He's here to equip us. Every one of us is to preach the word. Like you said, preach the word does not mean to come up here from the pulpit necessarily. It means speaking that word to other people, to share the message of Christ to other people, imperfectly a lot of times. We come here weekly to help get that, that guidance, that direction, that fellowship of the body with the Holy Spirit convicting us to say, this is what I need to go out and do. This is where I'm at, to be fed, to be focused, so that we don't, out on our own, in a little rowboat out in the ocean, suffer some, from mission drift. So that way we're all on the same path. Part of that, that's a spiritual maturity. Spiritual, spiritual maturity is then taking these things, being in the word daily, and saying, what does God have for me? The reality of God, Pastor Russ mentioned this a few times, the reality of God is that he wants all of us. All of us, part of that is our knowledge. He wants us to learn. He wants us to read. He wants us to further our knowledge of him, further our knowledge of the Bible, so that way when we do come into that interaction with somebody, we can 
have some sort of knowledge and understanding of what the word has for us. The other is he wants us, another part is he wants us spiritually. He wants us in prayer. He wants us listening to the Holy Spirit and taking that word and then saying, what does that mean for me in our life, in my life? Another part is he wants us in the reality, physical, financial side of it. That's an indicator of where, of where we are at spiritually. In the first verse in, in Timoth, 2 Timothy 4, Pastor S talked about it. It says, I charge you. Paul issues a challenge. Paul issues a warning. That's what I'm part of what I felt convicted to say up here today. There's a charge in this. There's a challenge. There's a warning. Spiritual maturity, financial giving, being in the word, prayer, addiction, what is taking over our lives, those all go together. If you are not feeling the conviction of where your finances are at and what you're giving to the church, you, maybe you're there. When I sit here, it's a constant reevaluation of how much am I giving? What am I doing? That's, that's not, that's, that's, you have a lot of leaders, a lot of people, a lot of those who are here who have that, we need to be constantly doing that. Now, if you do not consider Sunrise, your church, then I'm not talking to you. If you are a member, if you are an attender, if, if when somebody says, hey, where do you go to church? Oh, I go to Sunrise. Then I'm talking to you. Reevaluating where you're at, an, a constant understanding of where you're at, whether it be reading the word, whether it be your prayer life, whether it be giving, whether it be where your time is spent is a sign of maturity. If we come and sit and take and take and take every week and we don't give in time and we don't give in prayer and we don't give in reading the word and we are not giving what we should be financially, that's like a child who just comes all the time and just keeps taking and taking and taking and never gives back. Your children, as you grow them up, you expect them to start doing things for themselves. When they're brand new, you don't. We don't expect that. As they get older, you expect more and more of them to eventually where they're providing for themselves. We, the Lord expects us to grow in our maturity. And that's in every aspect. Now, there's a couple of slides up here. As, again, like Pastor Russ said, we don't, it's not sinking. But, we also don't want to stick our head in the sand, right? When things are not going great, we just don't stick our head in the sand and say, everything's going to be okay, everything's going to be okay, everything's going to be okay. You know, you know. I mean, we, we've all done that at some point in our lives, right? Okay? This is what we don't, we're not doing, okay? The other thing is, is the next slide, is this is also not what we're doing. We're not running around with our hair on fire here, okay? We're getting out in front of this. Okay? We're trying to be out in front. We're trying to be proactive in this. 
and a couple things that we're doing. One is we haven't uh, we have had the opportunity from the Reformed Church in America to to take advantage of a tool that that is offered out there in generosity and in giving. That's going to give us a few different ways that we can give as a congregation. You know, some technical ways, apps, different stuff like that. Just make that more simple. Also, some tools and resources for us as leaders and Pastor Russ as a preacher to to preach on and speak into giving because uh, that's an important aspect. Again, like I said. God wants all of what we have. So there's a, and then another thing that we're doing, the, the, the staff is going to be, you'll hear this from them, they're going to be working less here coming into the summer months. That's, that's a move that was made, that, was, that the staff, that was their idea, uh, leadership is behind that, just to reduce in cost, reduce in air conditioning costs, reduce in electricity cost. And this is part of us, saying, listen, this is not something that we're putting our head in the sand or, but we're not running around with our hair on fire. We're going to take steps, okay? And these are going to be thought through, and we're going to try and be the best stewards we can of the funds that are given to us. But the one thing that will continue to happen, and that as attenders of Sunrise, as those people who call Sunrise my church, we need to continue to support it to preach the word that the word of God is spoken and taught and preached out there, that it's preached from here and it's preached from everybody out here. And challenging yourself in your giving, in your time, in your reading of the word and in your prayer life is, a, is where then you will start to see that growth. We, um, I want to make it clear that I wish I could say this and be sitting with you too, nodding my head at myself, right? Because I'm, it's not, this is not a, this is not something I'm saying to you. It's something I'm saying, think of us sitting, standing in a circle saying, okay, here we go. Let's pull our bootstraps up and let's take this challenge to heart and let's do something about it. And so we have a few different ways. Again, we are going to have our offering here in a second, but this is not just for, oh man, I'm hearing this today. Let me grab out a little more and put it in there. This is, this is meant to take home. This is meant to pray on. This is meant to read. This is meant to, to sit there and say, where am I at in my process, in my sanctification process? That sanctification, it's just a fancy word for my spiritual process. Am I getting closer to the Lord? Am I giving more of time? Am I giving more finances? Am I giving more of my effort into reading, into study, into prayer, into relationships with others? Am I doing that? And everybody is along the road in that process. We're all on the road. No, I mean, if, you, if you're here, you're on the road. Now, I got people who I can guarantee you they're way up ahead of me on that road. That's good. We need to have everybody along that path. But everybody needs to be on the path and everybody needs to be moving forward on the path. If you're stopped on that path or if you're backing up on that path, that's where we have to feel that conviction and, and start to say why. In verse 6, of 2 Timothy 4, Paul says, 
for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. I pray that when I get to that point, that I can say, I've finished the race. I've poured out my life. And that is where we all want to be moving, where you can say, I am giving everything I can give for the Lord. We have our general, our general offering coming up here. We also have in a couple weeks, and this is, this is, why I'm, this is part of why I'm challenging. I mean, this is, this is why we're bringing this up. We have our Pentecost offering, which is on June 2. Now, Pentecost offering is an offering that goes to, to um, planting new churches for what we did with Imago. Now, you guys, now trust me, I've, I'm, I'm a numbers guy, right? So I sit out here, and we say, we started Imago last year. And now we're behind, and most, a lot of reason why we're behind is we started on Mago, we've been giving away, we lost, we, we lost is a bad term. People left to, to preach the word there, right? And you say, well, why would you do that, right? When you're, you have all these people giving, why do you send them over there and do this? Because we are faithful. We are faithful that God will provide. We are faithful in him. If, if we don't go to him, if we're not seeking him, what does he have for us? We seek him and God is faithful to us if we're faithful to him. So Pentecost offering is our preparation for, the, for when we're going to do this again. Because even though you may say, you guys are talking about that we're behind for the year. Yeah, but we're going to be faithful. And this is why we're up here and talking about it. So that way we challenge ourselves to give more. And we're faithful because we know that there's going to come another time where we're going to have an opportunity to plant another church and preach the word again somewhere else, preach the word more. And you know what? God doesn't want us to be comfortable. We're not in the business of storing up money here. That's not what we're in the business for. We're in the business of taking God's money because everything that you got is God's money. Everything that we have here is God's money. Taking that and saying, how can we best use this to further the word later? And where, where can it be used, Lord? Not for building up accounts. And that's why we're always kind of running that, right? You always run that edge. And that's good. Because you know what? If you're sitting on a pile of money, it's a false sense of comfort. It's a false sense. It's a false sense as a church. We take that, we send it, we go out with it. And there's times where we say, ooh, it's a little tight. There's one of those times. But this is an indicator of where we want to be all the time. We want to pour ourselves out. When that pitcher gets poured out, it's empty. When it's empty, it has a chance to be filled again. So we want to pour ourselves out so that way we can be filled back up. So we have the Pentecost offering in a couple weeks. Now I want to let you know the Pentecost offering, whenever we do something like that, that is above in addition to our normal giving. So our normal giving comes here, and that's a sacrificial gift on top to say, Lord, we know that this is, I, this is what, I know this is what you want me to give to this, Lord. So here's my sunrise gift, and then this is going to further your kingdom in addition to what I'm already giving. So I just want to make you aware of that. I want to let you know that we have a very sacrificial staff here. And they give over and above anything that they're required to give as far as their time and their effort goes. 
into every single one of us. If you are wondering, I took all this information in today from Pastor Us from the sermon, from whatever you hear, and you're thinking like, yeah, what do I do with it? I don't know. I'm feeling convicted. I, or I, I, just, I just don't know what that next step is. That's what they're here for. They're here for us to come to them and say, I'm struggling with this. I heard this. I don't know what to do. Where should I be here? They're not here just to come up here and sing or play or, or take your kids on a day camp or to preach the word and then not hear from you guys all week. They're here to hear from you and to equip you and to help us, lift us up so that way we can go out and preach the word. So I want to pray right now for our offering. And when we pray for an offering, what we're praying for is that we're praying for wisdom ourselves. We're praying for wisdom that everything that's put in that plate, that God, that we can do with it what God has for us in the best way possible. So let's pray for that offering. Now, Lord, we come before you. We come before you praying that you empty us out, Lord. Praying that we pour ourselves into out for you. That we, that we give our time, Lord. We give our effort. We give the amount of capacity we have in our brain to learn, Lord, that we give that to you. To the passion that we have in our spirit that we give to you to the finances that you have given to us that we give to a point, Lord, that we're pouring ourselves out to you and we can say we have run the race. Lord, I just pray upon this offering today that the leaders are wise with what's given, Lord, that you take the, that those funds that are given Lord and that when they are turned back out that they turn out and they can preach the word Lord that they can further your kingdom Lord and that you will bless everyone through the ministry that is sunrise and through the ministry of each and every individual soul in this congregation today Lord in Jesus name amen